Did you know that some of the most famous brands that we know of today actually started off as something completely different? For example, Nintendo originally started selling playing cards. And Nokia? Well, they opened up a pulp mill and wanted to get into the paper business. There were also some companies that had a different name to begin. Instagram was known as Bourbon, which was inspired by the creator's love of fine whiskey and bourbons. Pepsi? Well, they were known as Brad's Drink. Imagine the marketing today. The Cola Wars. Coca-Cola versus Brad's Drink. And lastly, YouTube originally started as a dating service. I can only picture what that would look like today. I really like this person, but those suggested videos are quite intriguing to check out. Or how about watching a video and the person says, my interests? Sure, I'll tell you. But first, a word from our sponsor. It's amazing to see how these companies originally started out and what they turned into. What company today are we going to look back on and say, hmm, what an interesting start they had. Hello students and welcome to another episode of Grad to Great. I'm your host, Professor Dom. And in this podcast, we try to help young students and business professionals navigate their careers in the business and marketing world. We'll provide up-to-date current events, as well as some tips, tricks, and hacks that will help you succeed in your career. In today's weekly roundup, we're going to be covering the Twitter whistleblower, the growth of private labels since COVID, how video games advertising is going to change over the next few years, and an interesting product that is now being sold on Amazon. But first, we're going to begin with Instagram and the rumors surrounding the launch of an interesting feature that mimics one of the most popular apps trending today. According to TechCrunch, Instagram is toying around with the idea of IG Candid Challenges. This is where users will get random notifications during the day from their friends and will have two minutes to capture and share their photo at where they are at the exact moment. Sound familiar? Well, it should, because this is the exact same concept of the growing social network, Be Real. Now, this isn't the first time that Instagram has been accused of copying some other social network features. Their reels and remixes are very similar to TikTok. The introduction of stories, AR selfie filters, and disappearing videos and photos is an obvious knockoff of Snapchat. What makes this rumor so interesting is how quickly this has surfaced after Kylie Jenner's comments on Instagram. The famous Kardashian sister posted to her 360 million followers, and I quote, Make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Finally, someone had the courage to say it. And this is not the first time Kylie has attacked the social network. In 2018, she caused Snapchat stock to plummet by $1.3 billion after she tweeted, So, does anybody else not open Snapchat anymore? Or is it just me? Ugh, this is so sad. On quick review, Instagram's parent company Meta had a 3.4% decrease in their stock price since the comment. Not as bad as Snapchat, but still some impact from Jenner's comments. Is Instagram reeling? Should they listen to Kylie and keep up with their competitors? Two bad puns aside, I think we're seeing some cracks in Instagram with the growth of TikTok. Let's see how the consumers respond to this new feature if it does come out and what it means for their stock price and following in the months to come. Our second headline relates to the ongoing saga between Twitter and Elon Musk. As a former Twitter security head, 
filed a whistleblower complaint alleging the company ignored security and misrepresented the number of bots on the platform. According to a report by The Hustle, this document contained a lot of information, including Twitter lying about the spam and fake accounts being less than 5%. Its reporting metric of monetizable daily active user hides the number of fake accounts. Executives do not have the resources to know the real numbers, nor are they incentivized to find this out. Leaders have misled Twitter's board and the government about security vulnerabilities, including those that pose national security risks. And Twitter has never been in compliance with FTC demands from 2010. Why is this gossip relevant today? Well, as you may remember, Elon Musk wanted to buy Twitter for $44 billion, but backed away, stating that Twitter was not truthful about the number of bots and spam. With this new information surfacing, this only helps Elon Musk when he has to go to trial to avoid paying penalties for backing out of the deal. Twitter, of course, is claiming that these complaints are flawed and inconsistent. There are two takeaways I pull from this story. Firstly, of course, this helps Elon Musk, and the timing could not be better. Secondly, if it is true, I'm more concerned with the impact on Twitter. The stock was as high as $50. Elon was willing to buy it at a share price of $54.20 with his offer. And now it's just hovering above $38, around a 30% decrease. Reports recently suggest that bonuses will be slashed for executives. Do advertisers still have trust in the network if some of these claims are to be true? A lot of things will have to untangle for Twitter over the next couple of months. But one thing is for sure, they will need to earn the trust of their consumers and advertisers back. I think we all know how this is going to play out. Twitter will copy Instagram, who will copy TikTok, who then copy Snapchat, and be real, and just pray that Kylie Jenner doesn't comment to switch back to their old format. third story of the week discusses the growth of private label sales with an increased rise in prices in other goods. In other words, consumers are trading down to private label. Private labels are store-owned brands where they have complete control on the marketing, production, and manufacturing of those brands. The reason that private label tends to be less expensive than your regular brands is because the retailers have full control from start to finish on the entire product. Retail Brew broke down the private label business for the beauty industry, and they found a few interesting stats. Private label brands made up 6.8% of sales at Sephora in the year ending June 2022. Between April and December of 2020, overall beauty sales were down 17% online, and online sales at Sephora and Ulta were down 25.5%. However, during that same period, private label Sephora collection and Ulta brands were up slightly at 0.5%, their biggest winners being in lip balm, eyeshadow, mascara, and lip color. The trend is very similar for grocery items in Canada. A recent Mintel report showed that 25% of consumers said they have changed their purchasing behavior during COVID towards private label. 20 out of the 25% said they bought more, and only 5 out of the 25 bought less. 31% of 18 to 34-year-olds made up this amount. An interesting theory behind this is because this cohort rarely watches TV and we're not used to seeing those big CPG commercials and therefore are not as loyal to some of those big brands that we see in grocery stores. 
68% of consumers are more likely to shop at one grocery store over another if they carry a brand, and 57% are willing to shop at grocery stores if the product assortment is mostly entirely made up of the store brands. Imagine only Kirkland brands at Costco, or that you can only buy President's Choice brands at Loblaws and nothing else. Consumers are saying they may be okay with this. However, the rise of private label sales for many retailers is not always a good sign, as it just means that more opportunities for competitors to come in. And a big competitor that is seeing the growth in private label is Amazon. Amazon has quietly expanded with approximately 19 private label brands, according to a Canadian grocery report. So what does this mean for the future of private label? Is this the end of CPG brands on your grocery shelf? No, I don't think we're quite there yet. However, I do think there is going to be some pressure on these brands to really resonate with their customer. If they want them to pay a little bit more than the competitive private label brands, they will need to add some value in other ways. One of the things I see them pushing towards is a more ethical and sustainable company that seems to resonate with more millennials and Gen Zs, the biggest cohort that are purchasing products today. If they can build an emotional connection and the loyalty with their audience, it won't matter what private label brand is offered on the shelf, the consumer will still choose their brand. Our final story of the week discusses the growth of video game advertising over the next five years. The tech company Trade Desk has helped advertisers buy ads for games with PCs, mobile apps, connected TV such as Hulu, but are also opening up ad inventory for console-based gaming such as Xbox and PlayStation. According to Allied Market Research, the global in-game advertising market was estimated to total $6.8 billion in 2021 and is projected to reach $17.6 billion by 2030, growing a rate of 11% a year. The big factor that must be considered when inputting advertising into video games is the gameplay. How will users respond? Will they be okay with advertising in the middle of their game? How much would it impact the gameplay? Growing up, Super Mario was one of my favorite games. I can only imagine what it would sound like if advertisers had an opportunity to use that game as a platform to communicate with their customers. This is how I pictured Super Mario 1 would have ended if advertisers had their way. Hurry! I have successfully rescued the princess! And I could not have done it without the durability and the support of my new Nike running shoes. Why should I have to give up the style while saving a princess and Nike just to do it? Very weird. I thought so too. And finally, we end the show with a couple of quick news headlines from this past week. The struggling exercise chain Peloton has begun selling products on Amazon, its first retail partnership. In light of this news, the stock jumped over 20%. And finally, a movie about the rise and fall of the ultra-popular keyboard-centric Canadian smartphone company BlackBerry has finally wrapped production. Given their history of an outdated operating system, it would not surprise me if they launched the movie in mid-summer of next year followed by a month later with bug fixes on that movie. That's all the time we had today. Don't forget to check out our website at grad2great.co. That's G-R-A-D, number two, G-R-E-A-T, dot C-O. 
or follow our Instagram or Twitter for any updates regarding the show.